Well, hello, my name is Gilbert Clark. I'm the Executive Chairman of Meridian Mining. We're developing the giant Cabasal copper gold BMS deposit in Brazil, Mato Grosso, and we also own the, the entirety of the Cabasal BMS belt, or almost the majority. Gilbert, good to see you. Thank you for the introduction. Um, <clears throat> here we are at the beginning of 2023. Uh, the copper price has uh, uh, shot off. The gold price has shot up from 1650 to 1920 odd, 1930. Um, <clears throat> but last year was a shocker, huh? It was a really bad year for the for the market. It was it was the year of sailing into the strongest headwind in 20 years for for, for Meridian. Um, we had, we started, I think in February, we had a, a four month hold trading date come, come off. And then in Q2 and Q3, as you said, Merlin, the copper and the gold just, just completely just imploded, uh, from market, but there was huge banking on that one. And then we had two warrant terminations. Okay, so the, the warrant terminations and the, and the four-month holding date, does that mean that um, suddenly people were able to sell uh, that, had, that they, could just, they could just lock in a profit and they just kind of um, they dumped the stock because it was just kind of, in a sense, free money? Well, it's like the liquidity events. So people think, well, look, this, this liquidity is coming into the market from Meridian and it's going to affect the share price. And, and it, was, it was frustrating because, you know, in the, in the placement that we did in... Um, 2021 that was very tightly held that wasn't coming out and then the warrants the majority of the warrants had already been converted for the july um release of the termination date and it was the same again for um the december one so we had you know we've always been very careful how we manage our equities but when you've got um really q2 and q3 i don't know my experience you know, it was probably the worst September in 20 years I've ever seen. Everything just disappeared. Um, there was, you know, it was risk off. The, the buyers disappeared in Q2 and Q3. Uh, and institutional investors weren't deploying capital. They could, you know, it was batting down the hatches and let's see what happens. What price did you do the capital raise in um, uh, in September, in, in 2021? In September 21, we did it. Uh, it's 70 cents, I think it's 70, 70 cents or 75 cents. And we did it without a warrant. And then we went into 2022 very strongly. And then you just see that we tracked all the copper indexes, all the gold indexes, they just collapsed in Q2, Q3. And we, we actually then did another raising in December. And it was a very nice window for us. But there was a couple of external influences we had to take into context. So we actually went ahead and did this, this raising that sort of set us up for the the start of the year. Um, again, you know, we, we transferred out of being a, a junior listed company with these warrants, which are very problematic as we saw them in 2022. We did that again, we did that raising. Um, so we came into 2023 and we cleaned up the capital table. We've now got a very clean structure. There's no 10, 20, 30 million warrant overhang. That's all been cleared out. Um, there's a little broker warrants but we've come out, I think it's about, what is it, um, 202 million shares on issue, fully diluted about 218. That's the op stock options for the team. Money in the bank, expanding resource. Um, and we should be putting out our PA in sort of end of Q1 sometime in Q2, yeah, mid early Q2. So we really sort of cleaned up the, the capital table and launched the project. 
you 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 raised uh 5.9 million dollars in december what what price was that uh it was at 35 cents without a warrant so we had we dropped 35 cents yeah it, it was there it's it's i i it, it go on oh i was just saying look, we, we there was a couple of external influence influences in that what we we looked at is we had one of our historical shareholders from the restructure uh private equity fund and that previously that quarter exited two public positions and this was known they were equiting their positions. So they didn't want to wait and then sort of go into the new year knowing that there was a potential large liquidity event and trying to raise money. So we made the decision, we, we actually, um, we had it, we announced 3.2, and I think we're at about 2.9 pre-opening and then within 48 hours, we had up to 5.9 again we had multiple new funds come into the raising. So most of it again went into existing funds and multiple new funds and other funds topping up their position. It was very, it's very interesting how we've seen the transition of this capital table from being majority, almost majority retail. And now I think we've probably got north of 15 positions at institutions. Um, and did you, did you, um, when you gave me that figure of 5.9, was, was that, um, does that involve the kind of the cross uh, that you're effectively talking about? Because there was one fund that wanted to leave and other funds that wanted to, to, to join. So what was the kind of the net cash to you? Well, well uh, the net cash for us is probably just over five. And because we did it at 35 cents, that means we also did it above the warrant conversion date, which was happening at the same time. So people converting their warrants were actually seeing they were getting a premium for it. So, that's, so that was good for us because we... Of course, we're seeing the trend, the maturity of the capital table now into sort of like an institutional stock, but we're not ignoring our retail sh- minority shareholders. We're you know, ensuring that they're protecting their equity because that's also the equity of the board. And then we went in the first week of December, which was a very busy week, we did quite a quiet week. We um, went to our existing institutions that are long only funds, and we said, look, this is what we want to do. We want to cross this block of stock. Um, and put it and take that potential willing selling liquidity out of the market, and that's what we did. We crossed five point nine million shares and we did six point six million shares that day. But that what people have understood is we that was potential liquidity to be dropped into the market. So we said, hey, let's manage our equity, put that in the long running supporters that actually just put money into the company, so they're not getting the money for old rope. They're increasing their positions, and gone all of a sudden. People are thinking, oh, this liquidity is going to come out. I can buy the stock later. Good, 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 good. I mean, I have to, uh, uh, in your defense, it wasn't just the uh, companies that had uh, warrant overhangs that sold off in 2022. Uh, it was it was a kind of a, a resource sector-wide phenomenon, as I'm sure you're aware. Um, the, the, it was it was interesting. Also, a feature of 2022 was that news releases were generally uh, dimly received, as in you, you would put out expiration results, or one could put out expiration results and see your share price come down. Um, certainly, when it came to your uh, resource uh, release, which was I think in September, that was um, late September. It was it was very poorly received. You were up at odd fifty, high fifty cents, and um, when the dust settled, you were down at kind of forty cents. So it was a kind of a the, the the market didn't like the the resource that was offered up. Um, I, I think the headline. You, you're absolutely right. The market, the market, the general commodity market, and and it was oh look, it's 
it's gone from being a copper-focused project to being a gold project. There's a dozen, two dozen gold projects out there. But what we try to said all the way along, this is a copper project. The reason being, you know, we have a very high-grade gold overprint, and that infuses the deposit with valuable metal. But when you go to process these and we put this into the market, we of our potential revenue, 20% goes into, into a gravity circuit for gold or dore. The 80% of the revenue goes into a, an exceptionally clean copper concentrate. And these things just don't exist. So if you want to, if you're a smelter or a trading house and you want to buy a copper concentrate that's pure, high grade, great sulfur, highly payable, uh, precious metals that you want to blend with a dirty concentrate or with a low grade concentrate, this is perfect. And that's the, that's the, the great quandary of this project. We can put, uh, we put out, gosh, we put out, um, I wrote it down here, uh, 54 meters of two grams gold plus 0.3 copper. This, it's, oh, this is gold, but no, it doesn't, it's not like a gold mine. It's actually a copper concentrate that we're focusing on. So we have this fantastic project. And when we did our resource, it's interesting you quoted those numbers because they're almost the same numbers that we use in the resource. We use 1650 for gold and the 359 for copper. Um, and we will do those numbers, of course, in our PEA when that's published. But we'll also publish that number, PA on those, based on those numbers. We'll also have the, you know, the, the spot numbers. Or, and it's daylight. We have a very robust deposit and I think the commercial attributes we demonstrate them are going to take the market by storm. Okay, so your uh last year the the resource was uh published and on the back of that you're doing an economic study which is a prelim PEA, a preliminary economic analysis. And you're you're quite advanced on that. What, what what's your I I see it's Q one, but can you give me any uh, granularity on that Q1 sort of end of Q1 start of Q2 I think is the time frame um, we did a what we had to look at the PA um, this project had four years production it's a high grade selective underground mine and we reflected the the processing that they did in our metallurgical study so what we're focusing on is a uh, targeting a, a 2.5 per annum uh, mill, open pit, starting surface. And we have a very high-grade zone, which we think would be facilitate the rapid payback of any sort of debt component and project finance. When you look at the size of that resource, and a couple of the guys that follow us, um, the analysts, a couple of banks, uh, uh, Beacon, uh, Raymond James, Cormac, the analysts, they're the good guys. They're, they're the same as me. They've clicked on. You'll probably start at 2.5, but then you'll upscale this and use four, or use five to three and a half or four million tons. And that's absolutely what we, I think we will be doing. The PA will demonstrate the robustness of the resource at 2.5 million tons, but it'll also give us the platform to trigger. What cutoff is your kind of a base case for the PA? Because if I look at your presentation at the moment, your corporate deck, one of the first slides that comes up is you've got different um, block models at different cutoff grades. And uh, you, uh, the, 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 the resource that you ran with in September was at, the, at a cutoff of 0.3 grams a tonne, and that was the 59 million tonnes of, of um, indicated, um, uh, which 
kind of spat out as kind of a global grade of um, a global resource of um, 1.8 million ounces at 1.1 gram per ton gold equivalent. And then bottom right, bottom right, you've got a cutoff of one gram a ton and you've got over a million ounces at 2.3 grams a ton. So I just wondered where you're... Yeah, it's really, really interesting. There's, there's two answers to that. Now, as you look at the presentation, you see as we increase the cutoff grade, um, the, the tonnage decreases, but the grade increases. Now, if you overlay that with the density of angle drilling, you almost get a reciprocal relationship. So where we, and you've got to remember that 70% of our database is biased by the vertical drilling. And the vertical drilling, like in the last announcement, hole 205, we've just quoted beforehand, that we had 52 metres, two grams gold. The highest grade interval in that angled hole, we hit one of the vein structures, was 72 grams gold or something. The highest grade interval in the vertical hole is 1.65, or thereabouts, grams become gold. So where we see the density of the drilling, we see the dent, we see we've seen a reciprocal. So as we increase that angle drilling along the deposit, I think we'll see a great kick. Now the question is you quite correctly we said this is a little bit technical, but we'll sort of simplify it down. We use the one a point three resource. But when we do our whittle optimization, whittle optimization is actually going to prioritize the highest grade blocks. So within that within that um, resource area. So my feeling is you'll see from 0.2 up to about 0.35 will be, causally, except this is a reflection of the very good metallurgy, that'll be stockpiled as end of mine, reprocessing material, blending material. Then everything above 0.35 will go into the ROM, which will then be low grade, medium grade, high grade, standard sort of production scenario. So although, you know, it's a very interesting question, we've got probably... 40 million tonnes at 1.3 grams, 1.4 grams gold. Um, and we're actually seeing that as we drill more angled holes, introducing more metal into the into the um, the resource, the potential future resource upgrade. So keep keeping in mind, we've got, I think it's 20, 20 or 28 million tonnes of inferred material because we didn't spread the grade. And this is a trap people make. But at the same time, in that resource outline there's about 30 million tons of unclassified that means we didn't have any drill hole data we can see the trends of mineralization but there's no data so there's 30 million tons within that deposit that we have to yet drill out to put metal into the ground and we did that we announced that last year i think one hole 193 uh it's 15 meters 1.8 i think it's circa 1.8 copper equivalent of gold but that was a, a nigh on 700 metre trend of unclassified material starting at 20, 30 metres below ground. So it, there's all lots, lots of growth. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a bit confused here. You've got, um, <laughs> so uh, Cabasal is 1.9 kilometres long. And that's, that's, you've got your resource in that 1.9 kilometres. Um, and you've got something, you've got something which you call the, um, Cabasal Northwest Extension or CBNWE uh, is that is that inside the current resource at the moment? Absolutely. Yes. So you've got the old mine, and then northwest of the mine, the Northwest Extension, and therein lies the problem: is that we knew that the drilling that we did and the drilling that the um, 
BP Minerals did, didn't cover the extent, the updip extent and the downdip extent in the first resource calculation. So rather than sort of trying to spread metal, we were very conservative in that first resource statement. We got it out, it gives us the basis of the PEA, but everything that's pointing to it is future growth within that resource. We, we like there are, just within that resource, we've identified 1,600 metres of high-grade trends to be infilled. Do you have, so how, many, how, many, how, how many rigs do you have on site? Just two, about two rigs. We, we shut them down for Christmas, New Year's Eve, and they're, they're starting up this week again. Um, and we, we're going, we've done 50 by 50 metre drilling, and then in some parts we actually did 25 by 25. We saw the benefit now, and we're debating this internally to, to further quantify it, but the further, the higher frequency of angled drilling is directly relating to the higher frequency of gold and copper. We're actually seeing better, better results. It's the, the, this, this is exactly the point that I'm just kind of grappling with in my head, is that perhaps, perhaps it's... Um... Yeah, and and you just a minute ago you said that the this is a pre, very preliminary uh, resource estimate. You know, is there not some benefit in uh, really pushing that 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 density of high grade drilling to get a better understanding of uh, of of, of the, the the grade across the two kilometres? That, that's the th that's the point we're getting at now. I think the, the gut feeling is that next resource up upstate we hope towards the end of this year we will actually look at completely covering the entire deposit 25 by 25. We cannot, we've got to give you the context, within the mine environment, there is an extensive area where the top 20 or 30 metres have not been drilled with any angle drilling, but the vertical drilling is 12 metres by 12 metres. But we can't put angle drilling through old mine workings because the, 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 the just won't, we'll go into the void, but then it can't. It can't go further. It can with vertical drilling. We've done that very successfully. So we're going to see um, near surface growth. You know that we have an area there, the top 20, 30 metres, that's almost the entire deposit where BPs just didn't assay. And we can get, you know, we've got, had holes going three metres at 12 grams from six metres, um, high-grade copper zones. But it's... We just recognise that actually the, the potential upside in the last quarter of Q4. So, and then put it this in the, the, the fantastic scenario for an investor. This is just one of our deposit, and it's certainly not the biggest anomaly we have on the on the on the belt. So, when we look at longevity, the the multiple upside presentations or project, potential prospects that we're identifying now. Um, we had one of our largest projects granted just in December. Couldn't announce it in the middle of the financing. Um, we announced that last week, and that was four and a half k of I think it's four and a half kilometer linear or four kilometers of linear conductivity. And we're now walking on top of that and finding copper gossens. Um So, <laughs> you know, alone you could probably IPO a company on that, that trend, but when it's just part of our trend, part of our metal package the upside and you know we're not looking at a small junior company we're looking at a mid-tier mid company in this nascent so um good but where, where was that trend you said you said with all the copper gossens you know the four kilometers is that off to the northwest yeah it's it's one of the many trends we've got there 
Um, I think in the Northwest, there's about three, I think we've identified three high grade trends to date. And there's another high grade trend in the Southeast. And this is this infill frequency. Like we had another hole, which is in the middle of the Northwest extension, hole 54, and that was another 50 meters at, you know, 2.2 grams gold or you know, just ridiculous numbers we keep pulling out. And then we drilled 50 meters to the Northwest and 50 meters to the Southwest, and it's pretty average. And we now see that we're in the, further to the Northwest of that hole. We've infilled adjacent holes to average holes. We, we put out very good numbers. And it's just a reflection of the drilling density. There'll be swings and roundabouts, you know. But what I, what I really like most about it. And, and, and also variability. Yeah, no, but there's no, there's no very, there's the only thing I'm seeing very positive and will confirm this is that I'm not seeing any variability in the metallurgy. It's consistent. We did a very con widely spaced sampling program for the network. We didn't just and that's the trick I've seen a lot of people do. They take their high grade and just do their network on the high grade because that looks really good. We put it across the belt. Um, so what I'm getting at there is it's we won't see that variability in the network. And with the it's not so much I wouldn't say the variability in the mineralization, it's the same host rock, it's a it's a feeder system as though they've been printed by high grade gold. Um, but just that I think there's more metal to be brought into this deposit than we re than people realize. Okay, um, um, which makes me question, kind of ask a question about your budget allocation because if you've got this envelope around your existing mineralization uh, and you strongly believe that you can uh, improve the understanding of grade within that envelope, that speaks to spending a lot of money on. Uh, infill drilling and you've you've hinted at that or you've said as much in the fact that you're going to drill at 25 meter uh spacing um in your presentation you also talk about near near mine exploration and regional exploration and i just wondered whether you've as a, as a company whether you've actually allocated percentage wise as a, uh, of your budget or what you're looking at in terms of dollar spend into infill relative to others yeah, we do allocate, like we've got the two rigs and as we progress the, the infill program, we actually have one rig that we're bouncing around different projects just to continue to test the upside of the project. Um, our discovery costs on Cabasal, the main deposit, are about $3.50 an ounce. We're a pretty thrifty company. We don't tend to, um, a company policy, we don't fly business class. That's a waste of money in the first order. Uh, for a junior mining company. So we tend to put most of our money into the ground, Merlin. Um, and that's, I've seen enough companies blow up their budgets just in lifestyle. So we keep a very, we, we allocate, we've got a budget allocated for this year with the money we raised. Um, but we're reviewing the, it's important that we, we're we reviewing the um, quite successful exploration results from the, sorry, the infill drilling results. Um, from Cabasau. Like, it, it's an amazing project where you can take a soil anomaly, which was an eight gram soil anomaly, 2K southeast of Cabasau, and we put a hole in just to sterilize it for a potential tailings uh, storage facility. And we discovered in a brand new copper, copper, uh, gold, silver, precious metal system. Um, I think sometimes you have to change your exploration concept and just give it to the engineers and say go find us a waste dump we'll drill it up and find an ore body. 
maybe that's what um well i'm a geologist so i wouldn't say that <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but you're right the, we have to we allocate and we revise our budgets um to ensure that the the best practices are maintained and the continual equity growth and project growth occurs um remind me that's, that's remind fine. me of your cash in hand your presentation says uh 11 million uh 11 point Three, I think yeah, it was. Well, we, at the end, I think what we've done, we assigned a, um, a property payment, which is one one point eight five million US dollars. That's gone into escrow. Um, we had a lot of end of end of year invoices, so I think we'll come into the come into the year with circa around seven seven and a half million to deploy into the into the project. Um, look, we are a, a, a small cap exploration company of course small exploration companies are dependent on capital raising but we've always done our capital raisings we work closely with our banks we generally always have a strategic long-term or an existing long-term um, lead order which is important and we don't spray equity into the market we've never done that in the last capital raising i agree with my across the board but i think we had was it six federal US banking rates last year increased and we had a vastly overvalued US dollar. Now that just killed commodities. <laughs> There's nothing you could do, you know. It was practical. That's that, that, but 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 we're now we're, we're now in the in the rebuild phase, and so so you know you, you you've gone from thirty five cents to forty four cents. Um, looking at the kind of the value catalysts in the next. Um, the next three six months you've talked about the pa coming out um and also kind of um working on pulling that overall grade up through infill drilling well um, there's, there's a couple it's actually quite you've hit it right on the mark um we want to have a pa that sort of gives us well, i can only go past i can't actually say a physical number i can reference the number so i'm saying what some of the mining analysts are looking at they're saying around the 400, 400 million mark, um, IRR above 35%. Uh, that gives us a share valuation. I think the variation is somewhere between $1.40 up to about $2.20. I love the $2.21, much better than the $1.41. Um, and that's, I think that's the a good approximation of where the PEA will land. But what the PEA, I think, is going to clearly communicate, and this is what I like, is this is going to be a rapid payback because we have this high-grade starter zone. I mean, there's some 3 million tonnes, about 2.4 grams gold. And we've got to mine, and the, the whittle, the whittle optimization will optimise that mine plan. And look, I encourage all my investors to actually have a look on Google and understand what these whittle mine plans. This is bread and butter for mining industry, but they've got some really good educational uh, um, YouTube videos on whittle. And, Guys, have a look at it, and then you really understand what mining's about, and what the mining schedule is about. Um, but there is certainly, you know, a two and a half million tons per annum. You could probably go for twenty-five or thirty years. Um, what you do is you go into year three or four, prepare the increased throughput for your mill, and then you bring that volume up and you shorten your mine life down to say 15 to 20 years. 
Um, and again, that's just one of our one of our prospects or one of our deposits. We have a second deposit. We can say we have a second deposit with the San Helena. So it's the value, the equity growth in this one. But we've I talked about this previously. You know, there are companies out there that have got three, four dollar valuations. Good companies, good management. Um, we've been, had their projects a lot longer than ours, but I can't see anyone going to get you know three, four, five maybe 10 times the equity on that. But with our share price, you know, we're trading around 42 cents. It's just ridiculous when we look at, we've got two million ounces in the ground and the best metallurgy in the industry. And within a mining um, license, mining up lease applications. When it, um, what's the oxidation profile like at Cavasal? Uh, I mean, because you talk about um, producing a sulfide comb, but you don't talk about the oxides. Uh, well, it's, it's actually quite interesting. <laughs> so the soil layer is only about, it's very technical, about 50, 50 centimetres. <clears throat> and that, of course, is drink water. Um, copper and soils, there's not enough tonnage for an oxide plant, so that's not going to happen. Then the transitional zone is probably down 15, 20 metres. But we didn't have any network on that transitional zone, the tarnished, tarnished sulphide. So we actually assigned zero recovery for the copper in those zones. And we'll do some testing on that, and we might get in the very small layer I don't know, 40, 50% recovery of the copper. No, who cares? So, so sorry, so the actual oxide zone is, is very, very shallow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you go into transitional. And then after, after 15 metres, you're in fresh crystalline rock. Okay. Amazing. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's not what you'd expect for Brazil. No, no, absolutely not. If you're, we're in the, the very edge of the southern edge of the Amazon craton. I think we're in the Amazon Craton. I have to check that one. Um, but we are greenstone belts, and it's interesting that this doesn't have this massive weathered profile. It really is. It's not like the regolith in Western Australia. Um, I guess you could take an analogy. You take the, the greenstone belts in Canada and you remove the 100 metres of, of till. <laughs> You've got a very small transitional sulphide layer. Um, we've got something similar. So our, that's why I keep going about the metallurgy. We don't have to strip 10, 20, 50, 100 metres of waste rock to get to our payable dirt. Our payable dirt lasts three metres below surface with the gold. And then after 20 metres for the copper. Amazing. Now, these, yeah. So, uh, you know, when I think about it, uh, I, I see the greatest value within that two kilometres of Cabasal. I, I, you know, I, I'd be tempted to um, put... 80% of my effort or or more into advancing Cabasal Main and, and less than 20% of my effort improving up the regional... Um... Yeah, it's really interesting. That there's, I'd actually say that's pretty much on the, on the head. That's absolutely correct because let's just put in perception. The one that's going to come into the cash flow positive first with, with you know, subject to all permitting, and I'm going to say subject to all permitting and, and, and economic studies, that's Cabasal. That's going to get into cash flow first. Absolutely agree. And focus on that, which is very much an Australian model. And the Canadians always say, we've got to, got to drill, got to drill, got to drill. Good model. The benefit from us is I can't say today that Cabasal is the biggest deposit and it's two kilometres long and probably got a mineralised envelope of about 100 million tonnes. We've got 60 million tonnes of inferred and indicated, another 30 million tonnes of non-classified and some of it's open. So it's big, but is it the biggest deposit in the Capricel belt? Don't know. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know. 
And and so that gives us the flexibility um, to start at two and a half million tonnes, knowing that we're probably going to go to three and a half, four million tonnes per annum mill. But that mill could then be in producing at that volume for decades to come. It's 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 like the, like that old adage, you know, when someone asks um, in, in some very rural part uh, of the countryside, and they ask the old farmer, um, "How do you get the direction? You know, how do you get f- to the big town from here?" Um, and the, and the farmer goes, "Well, I wouldn't start from here." You know, in a sense, y- you have to start <laughs> from here. <laughs> um, um, you know, the, 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 you have to start from here. You know, perhaps if you're approaching this from a, from a completely fresh start, you would, you would cast your net, your exploration net across the whole Cabasar belt and you would look for the best anomaly and you look for the, 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 the potentially the biggest, um, biggest resource on the belt. As it happens, you know, you've got an old mine and this is where you've started and you've got a million ounces, 1.8 million ounces on the go. Well, uh, it's actually over two. But what I'm getting at there, you, that's, what you just said is exactly what BP did. They cast their net across the belt, across the belt completely. But what they did is they then vetted in on only anything that was above three grams gold. So if we had 1% copper or half percent copper at surface over you know three, four kilometres, not, not, not going to touch that, we want to focus on plus three grand gold because when they were doing their exploration uh, and then discovered Cabasar, I think that gold was probably around when they started gold was probably about two, 200 an ounce and when they left it was at 290 an ounce and copper was less than sort of 80 cents a pound so there was completely different economics now when we look at today's economics you know I think we're at 1910 or 1905 for gold and 420 for copper um, if you're an underground mine trying to develop something a thousand meters deep, this is going to help you. For us, it just smashes it because we're, we're not we're, we're producing copper very very quickly. And I think that it will be quite an interesting reception when we put the PEA out because I can't recall for some time. Um, I've got my dog scratching me so bad. Um, I've such a big belt coming to the market and and it's really sort of uh your comment prior on the resource statement because we reported it as gold and that was a reflection of the gold overprint which we find you know over now over 11 kilometers but i can't recall anyone bringing an entire belt of open pit potential for a long long time well we've seen it uh, there are others out there with with belts and we've also seen their their share prices i mean we were talking that there's a there's a um, I, I, won't, I won't name names, but you know we know that there are companies that have regional potential and belt-wide potential, and a, uh, and a share price that doesn't respond, and 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 that's a function of having a clear strategy of advancement and development and a budget to carry it out. Yeah, and I, I can some of those companies. We the benefit why why we stand out compared to those companies is a lot of those companies. Don't have the the so the well I think the pre you can look at our cross section on the technical presentation from the website and you can do your own maths the pre strip and this is going to be very small. Um, we've said to the market that our energy grid is 100% hydroelectric and we're going to be using 
four and a quarter, four and a half cents electricity. So our opus is going to be very small. Our rock is very soft. Um, you know, I see these guys when they say they've got they've got the bottom work index of 18 and 19. I'm going, and they've got to grind it down to 10 micron. Walk away, people. Walk away. Ain't going to work. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I can, I, we have done this for 20 years looking at these projects. You just going, oh, God, they just... There's a difference between building a mine and mining the market. And Meridian is building a mine. That, that's the fundamental difference with here with our, a lot of our competitors. They are, and the good, some of these guys are good, honest men and women. Um, they're very focused. There's a few scoundrels out there, of course. Um, but Meridian, I, I just can't see a, a, a deficit in it. I'm, I, we did a very severe red flag report when we first looked at the project. And we delivered everything. What took us by storm was the the um, the high grade gold overprint. That really just changed everything. It didn't change the product. It didn't you know? We, it changed how we reported it because it was so much gold. But at the end of the day, we produce a copper concentrate that takes eighty percent of eighty percent of our revenue. And it's these little things that you have to look at. You know, most copper smelters make ten or fifteen percent of their profit from sulfur, from acid. And you can't make acid if you've got phosphorus in your concentrate. We have no phosphorus. We have 30%, 32% sulfur. It's perfect for acid. So there's for the smelters, they make money hand over fist. For the traders, they'll take this concentrate. And the, the, the principal concern now for the smelters is emissions. So we've got a clean concentrate. They can blend that to decrease the emissions. So it's a really... Our timing, we look at copper concentrates coming on. And um, where, where, just, just, I know we're getting into the weeds, but where, where are the, where are your copper smelters that um, you would like to send this to? Is this kind of, is this going to the European copper smelters or? We've done two, I, I had regular conversations with some of the colleagues in the smelter industries, be they in Japan or Europe. And so they're aware we have done two, Net smelter return cutoffs, uh, mine gate. So there's not an overriding, overriding difference for us where we send it. Um, be that we send it in country because there are there is some interesting corporate um, commodity business being built there, out of, being built out of um, Brazil at the moment. But you know your principal concerns in um, in Asia, uh, be it South Korea or Japan, are the smelter emissions. Now, you look at Europe, um, there have been years been fed dirty concentrates out of um, the Iberian pyrite belt, and that's why I've said many times, Rubus has the mercury towels, mercury recuperation towels in Hamburg, because they actually have to deal with that. And that's getting more and more difficult in some of the environmental regulations. And that's why if you've got a dirty concentrate and you need to get your emissions down, you blend it with a clean concentrate. And Meridian, what was said, and you know, 43101 and elsewhere, this is an incredible concentrate. It's it's a copper mine that has been overprinted with very, very high-grade gold. You know, we've had 26 metres of 20 grand gold and 0.3 copper. It's incredible. That 26, for instance, that's hole 49, that 26 metres at 20 grams, 
gold. 20% of that's going to go into a gravity anomaly. The rest is going to go into the copper concentrate. So, you know, it's commerciality. That, that, I think what you talked about, the other groups, is real commerciality. Will it be built? Yes, this will be built. Good. Well, on that note, I can say that I look forward to talking to you again once the PEA has come out. Um, uh, I'd, I'd like to catch up perhaps uh, when that's out, early April. Um, uh, that'd be super. I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to kind of get a better understanding of the numbers around it. And in the meantime, good luck with drilling out those uh, the angled holes and the 25-metre centres inside that those two kilometres. That sounds like a great plan. Thanks, man. Appreciate the time today.